Welcome to podcast 100 and 100? 195 of Five Star Potential, your weekly football manager podcast. I'm Matt, and on this week's pod, I'm joined by Curtie, Dave, Dupe, and Matt. Welcome, gents. Hello. 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 Good evening. Good evening to all of you too. Uh, here's what you have to look forward to over the next hour or so. First off, we'll be hearing a long overdue update from Dave's journeyman save and maybe a brief bit of a chat about Sporting 2 before we move on to our spotlight for this week, which is our collective six-month review of FM21. Anyway, let's kick right off with the save focus for David. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard from you, Dave, from the journeyman save, mainly because of Undlovegate, that's what I'm coining it. But how have things been going? Obviously, people can catch up directly by watching this on YouTube, but uh, give us a concise summary of what's gone on since Brackley. Yeah, it's been been a lot going on since uh, Brackley. Um, I can't quite remember where we kicked off, uh, well, where we left off last time. I think it was probably when I was in the, the first season in that journeyman. But um, give you try and give you a quick summary of what's been going on. I think I'm in season four now of the save. So first season with Brackley, obviously I joined and they were struggling. Got them a pretty respectable sort of high mid-end, um, mid-table finish in the end. And then the end of that season, all the contracts expired for most of the players. I kept one or two on like Unlovu or Unlove, whatever, whatever pronunciation we're going to go for. I brought in a lot of players and ended up winning the league quite comfortably with Brackley. Uh, so got promoted then to the Vanarama or the conference, whatever it is, conference premier. Um, but the, that summer I end, ended up jumping ship. So we went to League Two and joined Grimsby Town. Um, so Grimsby had had like a lower mid-table finish that, that season before. Um, had a couple of good players. Obviously had a lot more money than Brackley, but probably not the sort of money that you'd expect to do a complete squad rebuild. So it took me a little while to sort of get the squad that I wanted. But I, I used the exact same system that I was using at Brackley, a nice 4-4-2 put that into Grimsby Town. And probably I would say for three quarters of the season, we were top two, which was automatic promotion. Uh, four teams actually got promoted. So it was the top three and then one from the playoffs. And then uh, I think Joe will appreciate this. That last month or two months, we just slipped down. The form was atrocious. And we ended up actually being at risk of falling out of the playoffs completely. Um, but in the end, a couple of decent results right at the end of the season kept me in the playoffs. And uh, we we won the playoffs, um, which was which I, I don't think, not for a long time. I don't think I've sort of been in the playoffs to be fair. So it was quite a, a, an interesting experience. The final actually went to extra time, um, and it was it was good because I paused the paused the game. I think it was half time of extra time. Play uh, brought players on. I used a lot of players with uh, that were quick just for that bit of energy towards the end. And the one lad that I, I stuck up up top just because he was quick ended up scoring the winning goal. Um, so got Grimsby promoted then to League One. So from being a conference North-South manager uh, the season before, I was actually going into becoming a League One manager very, very quickly after. However, uh, like like you you do on a journey, man, although it's always nice to be loyal and continue a journey with a specific team, there was a couple of championship teams that had jobs available. Uh, there were Cardiff City and QPR, uh, Cardiff were a team that were predicted top sort of seven or eight and actually finished just one point outside the relegation zone. Um, QPR was sort of a mid-table team, but Cardiff were definitely better financially. Um, ended up applying for that. They gave me a, an interview and, and I got that job and that's where I'm at, I am at the moment, about halfway through my first campaign in, in charge of Cardiff. Dave, have your um, 
because you started with, I can't remember the badges you started with, but have you been moving them along as you went on going then from Broccoli to Grimsby to Cardiff? Yeah, so I started completely, completely with nothing. So Sunday league experience, zero coaching badges. I think I did one or two at Brackley. I think I did one at uh, Grimsby possibly, and I've just started another one at Cardiff. So quickly moving on, obviously, as you complete the badges and as you get more experienced uh, with your teams and stuff, your attributes start to rise. So I think we're creeping above sort of 11 now. Uh, we're at sort of 10, 11, 12 for some of the attributes. So yeah, definitely that that's obviously one of the main focuses the only thing that you've got to bear in mind with that is that you're off the, tr- well, I think it restricts you, You well, it says you're off the training ground a little bit. I don't know the actual effect that that has on training, to be fair. But obviously you've got the coaches there that would, that would do most of it anyway. What badge have you got currently? Oh, off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, if I say I've done three or four, I would assume that's towards... Continental maybe I've got, B, maybe? Yeah, maybe I've got one or two left to do once I've completed this one. So I think that's where I am, roughly. But yeah, like I say, the eight, my attributes are about 11, I'd say, at the moment, roughly. I've just finished season two uh, on my journeyman, and I'm studying for Continental C, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there was... There was took me a while to jump on some of them, to be fair. I think uh, ideally I should lit- just try and jump on the one, but Cardiff rejected it first. Uh, when, as soon as I joined Cardiff, I tried to do a coaching course and they rejected it. So you have to wait a little while. They've still got a, uh, what's that chief called in charge? Um, chief. Uh, Tan, you know, the you guy. Say, say again? Not Peter Tan, is it? It's not him. Peter Lim. No, Lim? Uh, it, no. That is his name though, isn't it? Tan though? Tan. Is it Tan? I think so. Is it the Bit guy that check. was at Valencia? The guy that was... Um... He changed the colour of the kit. You know what I mean, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it Vincent Tan. Vincent Tan. Vincent Tan. Yeah. yeah, he's still in charge. So he rejected it at first and I thought, oh, here we go. We've got a bit of a chief here. But nah, in the end, he put me on a new one. Was it Peter Lim you were getting confused with? Sorry. Yeah, Peter Lim's the Valencia guy, isn't it? The Sulfur yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, Dave, how are you finding the... Uh, you're adapting from club to club? Because obviously one thing I've never done as a journeyman, I've always kind of just stuck with one club and I find it easy to do that. How are you... What are you doing to, to go from club to club, basically? How, how, how are you doing it? Surely that's not a journeyman, then, if you stick with one club. I've said you, I've no, never no. done a journeyman. I only yeah, ever stuck to said, one yeah, club. Yeah. That's no. why I've asked him... <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, it, I can reiterate if you like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... um. It's 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 I'm, I enjoy it personally. Obviously, it, it was similar to the Pentagon. I think you mm. have to have that little bit of patience. I think with the game because one of the main things that you have to do, and this is the same with the Pentagon, you have to give it time for you to get used to the players and get used to the squad. Obviously, you know I'm a fan of English football and stuff, but especially down the lower levels and even in League Two, there's a lot of players there that I've never heard of. So you know. It, one, unless you're really in depth with the game and like spend a lot of time looking at each player, you know, I think you do have to give it time to sort of get a squad and get a, an eleven that you're used to and comfortable with. So Brackley, obviously, I was able to do. I was there half a season, then second season, everyone's contract was up, and I could do a whole rebuild myself. So I knew which players I had in my mind for an eleven straight away. Grimsby was a little bit different. Um, I had one or two players that I picked out, you know, that were already there on loan, kept them. There was a lad called Aidan Marsh. I think he's on loan from Barnsley in real life, who's an absolute beast. Scored me about 40 goals in that promotion season. But it probably, I would say, takes about 
six, seven, eight games before you're used to a few players and that you've got an ideal 11 in mind. I would say I'm about hot. The, the Cardiff situation is a bit different because they've still got a big chunk of players that play for them in real life. And I've now got Premier League players in real life that are sort of slowing their careers down. So for argument's sake, well, Almiron on loan. He joined Wolves from Newcastle. We've got him on loan. Tarkovsky I've got on loan. So there's a lot of players that I'm used to and I'm familiar with, but I enjoy it. It just makes the save fresh. It doesn't get stale. Uh, because you're jumping from club to club. You're having different challenges every season. And I think if you are just patient with that first early part of the season, I think uh, I normally, I think some people go into play football manager because they enjoy the whole transfer side of things. I, I, I'm I, not really bothered about pre-season. I just love playing matches and managing the matches. And I think that's what I'm able to do. And that's why you know I'm getting through it so quickly, really. Did you, when you did your back, just jumping back to your attributes, I just thought of a uh, thing. Did you have, preset high adaptability knowing that you're going to be moving from club to club I don't I don't think I didn't genuinely I didn't touch any of it whatever the standard just, was really just, just Sunday league and you, I probably could have maybe put it up to like actually, two or three maybe but I think that's probably as high as it would have gone well, maybe actually it's not it's journey is is that is adaptability for foreign countries more yeah, so it's over your ability to, to adapt in other countries in other countries not uh, from club to club well, Cardiff uh, is in Wales <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, fair, point, now, yeah. fair point. Well presented. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't, it could have an effect, but yeah, I just kept it just standard, really. Um, um, and that's why I'm surprised that, well, not surprised, but obviously got the job at Cardiff, and that's why I'm still a little bit cautious because of obviously the attributes still being that little bit low. And although I've got two promotions with two teams, I'm still fairly inexperienced, so. I think, uh, I can't remember how long my contract was, but especially at Grimsby, they only gave me a one-year deal because they probably, you know, thought that they didn't want to take that risk. But fortunately, I did quite well with them in the end. The last manager to have a one-year contract probably, or spend one year at Grimsby was Ian Holloway. So I'm thinking, Dave, you can re <laughs> yeah. re recreate that gif at the whiteboard, you know, where you look at the camera after when you're pointing at the whiteboard. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, have you brought anyone with you along the way? You know how... I think, Curtis, you're a big fan of this. You, you you kind of bring the players with you from club to club or even bringing staff with you along. Or are, you on your, are you on your own driving across the bridge to, to Cardiff? Yeah, well, that's what ideally right at the start I wanted to do. And I said that on the Pentagon as well. But I think with just the jumping quality so soon, mm. it was it was always quite difficult. I signed a couple of players at, um, at Brackley who I think could have done a job at Grimsby. But... There was one lad in particular, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He was a, a left back. I think he was from Ecuador. Gavea, I think his name might have been actually Gavea, who'd actually played for Madrid years ago and uh, even Swansea or something like that. And we signed him on a free and it was a big sign in then. And I, I did have a deal agreed to sign him at Grimsby, but he failed a work permit. Um, but other than that, I've not really looked. I l even looked at Leon and Lovu or and Love as a backup option at Grimsby. But the jumping quality, I mean, you got to consider that's. I know I got promoted, but that's two divisions, and then I've jumped up another two divisions. So it's a massive jumping quality. I think Aidan Marshall I had at Grimsby could definitely do a job at Cardiff. But obviously, I loaned him again for Grimsby, thinking I was going to be there the year after. Um, and I think he would cost me a couple of million. So who knows down the line? Especially now I'm at a bigger club. Um, I think that I'll I'll definitely probably see that happen in the future. So as you've like moved clubs quite quickly, has your managerial reputation moved up with it? So obviously you 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 have your star rating, but have your yeah. attributes improved as well in line with you going to bigger clubs? 
Yeah, like, well, like I said, because I'm doing the coaching badges as well as me doing fairly well, it has jumped up. So, I, like I said, I think I'm on about 11 for attributes now, which isn't too bad. And I'm expecting that will go up. And the star rating, I think, is about two and a half, three star, which again has jumped up quite a lot. Um, but if you think about it, like I, I I'm not going to say it's unheard of, but it's very rare for you to get a manager that was coaching at what like level six, five or six, and then jumped up to like level two in, in such. So short... the only one I can think of, like it, it's not even relative. It was like ten years ago. It's Paul Insta Blackburn. Yeah, he jumped from league one. He also one... like Steve Evans, I suppose, but he sort of worked his way up there a little bit. Um, and then went back down again because yeah, was put, exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it was it's it's quite a monumental rise, really. Yeah, it's it's, it's rare that you, you'll maybe get a one division jump if you've done well, but never. It's very rarely too. So you've obviously obviously done well in interviews, if nothing else. Yeah, to, well, that's the the one the one thing because obviously uh, I know some of you boys will like the pr the press conferences. I used I used to skip them a lot. I do them a little bit more now, but I used to skip them a lot. And then that would always say my media handling is really poor. And that was the first thing they'd ask in all the interviews. Um, and I think it was when I joined Grimsby, they said that that was one of the questions. And I had to promise that I would improve that if I joined them. So when they obviously uh, appointed me, that was in my promises. I had to improve it. So I think the early part of the season, I was ignoring a lot of them. And the sort of confidence went down straight away. I thought, right, I've got to start doing these. Otherwise, I'm going to be sacked. I was like, imagine me being sacked because I'm like skipping interviews or not speaking to the press. So I started doing that a lot more. And then... I think the only other query they had, at the, I think, because I, I actually had an interview with QPR just before I joined uh, Cardiff. Um, I think it was just my why I'd been at clubs for such a short period of time. And I think all I said was that I would just want to increase uh, the quality of club I'm at or something. And obviously, they like that and they dropped me a dropped me a job interview. Are you sticking to to the mainland, or are you are you going to be going over to Europe, or is it just kind of wherever the world it takes you? I think it's going to be mainly England, I think, to be honest. I did a, one of my favourite saves sort of uh, a few years ago. I just stayed in England. I think that's that's what it's going to be. Maybe if I do quite well, you know, or finish uh, the job that I wanted to complete in England a little bit sooner than planned, then I may obviously load up uh, some more nations. But I think, to be honest, I think I've only got the UK loaded up anyway. Um, so that, that, that's a long-term goal, obviously, just to, well, stay in England at the moment. But like I said, if I miraculously win the Champions League or something in the next sort of month or two and there's still a few months left of the game then maybe I'll open it up and, and see where we go Carty what would it take what achievement would Dave need to reach for you to book the open top bus again <laughs> <laughs> or for him still to have the open top one. bus I, lo uh, I lost <laughs> the deposit the first time round I'm not doing it again <laughs> <laughs> uh, well final question then in regards to the journeyman Dave are you enjoying it more than the Penty? Ooh, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm enjoying that. I enjoyed them, obviously both. I think that obviously the the aspect of it is very similar in the fact that you're jumping club for club and you know going for glory. I think the pick the Pentagon Challenge will always be exciting because obviously there was always uh, quite a serious aim at the, in every club I joined to obviously, you know, win a Champions League. Whereas this, I'm still still at the moment still climbing up and nowhere near the goal. Whereas before, you know, I was... The the team I started with, the only reason I really got into that uh, uh, Pentagon was I managed a team in China 
Um, and I just did really well with him. And like never in a million years, if someone told me, uh, you know, two years ago, oh, I'll manage, go and manage in China, you'll really enjoy it. I would have said, nah, do one. But that's what I'm saying like earlier. Like if you just persevere with a save or a team a little bit, um, even if it's like for one or two boring sessions where you're just getting used to the team, you know, you can really get into it. And that's exactly what I did with that team in China. In terms of enjoyment at the moment, it, I am enjoying it a lot. It's up there with one of my favourite saves that I've had, but I don't think it's quite... Until I finish it, I don't think I'll appreciate it as much as the uh, as the, the Pentagon Challenge. Here's one for the bingo cards. Uh, yeah, Dave, I can only but echo that, mate. Yeah. Um, like, so I'd say a little bit with the, the MLS, mate, just being, you know, persevering and sticking with it. Um, it makes it so much more enjoyable, right? you just got to do it. Yeah, fair yeah. play, mate. I've, I've been enjoying watching them, to be fair. You know, I must be bored if I'm watching your stuff. <laughs> just get it on, get it on one point five or two times speed, mate. You zoom through. No, nah, I, I can't understand that accent <laughs> on two point on two, mate. Imagine what Mad would be like on two times. Uh, I was just going to say, finally, somebody else. That's not too bad, actually. Because like, I listen to everything on two two five, even the pods and stuff. Uh, he's all right. YouTube save coming soon. No, that's no <laughs> seal of approval. <laughs> Well, before we move on to the spotlight, obviously, uh, with going back to work post-lockdown, um, finding time to stream the sporting save has probably been a bit more difficult for you. And obviously, sporting in real life have uh, won their first title in, what, 19 years? Yeah. Uh, has it inspired you to pick the save back up a bit more frequently? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, due to being back at work and football and everything being back, it's been a bit of a nightmare. But um I can't remember where the last time we left off at the sporting save, but I finished season one and basically won everything that I could have won. So won the league, won the Portuguese League Cup, won the Portuguese uh, Cup, which is like their FA Cup, and even won the Europa League. Just so comfortably everything was. Um, the league was really annoying because I lost one game and it was right at the end of the season to a team that I should have beaten. It wasn't like Porto or Benfica. It was... I think it was Ferenc, uh, who the the team Ryan Gold plays for. Um, so that was really frustrating. But um, this season that I'm in now, obviously slowly but surely getting through. I think I'm about halfway through. Got out of my, uh, my Champions League group. Still top of the league. I'm beating at the moment. So I'm hoping this is going to be the year. Um, but the team's solid. I've sold a lot of players that were, you know, for a lot of money that were not dead wood, but, you know, slightly older. I've signed the likes of Tonali, which is a huge sign-in. Uh, got a Dharma on loan. You know, he did well for me on the wall save earlier this year. So he's been good as well. Um, so, yeah, built a really, really decent team. And even got uh, Moy Coco on a free. Um, well, I say on a free. I signed him on a pre-contract and then bought him for like £2 million. He's still at the Africa Cup of Nations at the moment, though. So as soon as he's back, I'm really looking forward to, to using him because he just looks phenomenal. I don't know if any of you boys have had the chance to use him yet on FM, but... Um, Really looking forward to seeing how he gets on, especially in Portugal. Did you see the African Cup of Nations? Uh, yeah. De declared for... Cameroon, I think, he plays for. It's because uh, he was just... He he recently, in, in, in real life, in the Under-21 World Cup, he was in the German squad. He didn't play, but he was in the squad. Interesting. Yeah, I think he, de he declared for Cameroon. I think he has on a couple of saves, but then it, as okay. he was coming back, he broke his toe and he was out for another six months. So I've got to wait ages to... Uh, six weeks, sorry, not six months. Got to wait ages to uh, to, to use him. But the, the I've got a little dilemma in the fact that, obviously, he's probably strong as a striker, 
and I've got Thiago Thomas there as well, who's absolutely banging it. So I'm not I'm not sure because I only play a lone striker. I'm not too sure how to approach that just yet, but we'll wait and see. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for those updates, David. Cheers. Um, <laughs> we'll be watching both of those quite 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 closely, especially as you're ramping through this journeyman. Back onto our spotlight. Uh, believe it or not, gents, the 14th of May marked six months since FM21 was released wow. to the masses. So we thought that it's time to review the game in its current state now that all the usual updates and patches have been applied. Uh, some of you may be able to remember way back late in October last year when we gave our initial impressions of the beta, but uh, so that we can end things on a slightly more positive note, we'll start off with the negatives. Um, I can see a couple of a couple of you eager to start. We'll, we'll start with Curti. <laughs> well, uh, no, I mean there are there are a couple of um, kind of quite serious issues really that um, I've I raised uh, on the forums throughout the course of the year. Um, the most recent one um, is Ghost Goals, <laughs> which um, has kind of kind of shafted me in my second season of my journeyman save. Um, Basically, there, I had two in quite quick succession, which ended up costing me four points. And I, I think I didn't. I, I missed out on the automatic promotion spot in the conference by it was either five or six points. So technically, it didn't cost me. But obviously, um, you know, I would have been a hell of a lot closer going into those last few games of the season. But yeah, I had a couple of instances where um, a goal was scored, and then. It just didn't add to the to the match day total, to the scoreline. Uh, and then I had another one where <laughs> there was literally no highlight, um, no kind of, even in the post-match data, no evidence of any goal being scored. And um, just weirdly, a goal was added to the scoreline as the match just ticked over without me even realising until it got to full time. And it was like, hold on a minute, I thought I just won that 1-0. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, obviously, those have all been reported on the on the forums and stuff, and I think there is quite a few posts on there of, of people sort of saying the same thing. Um, I did see today, actually, there was an update. I haven't seen any release notes. Whether it will be something related to that, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but... <sighs> I mean, there's a, there's so many positives from this year's game, and I've you know I'm I'm piling a load of hours into the game, like the match engine that we'll talk about. I'm well, sure. Well, 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 well. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm just saying. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. I'm sure. We'll talk about the positives in a minute. Don't, don't sandbag my outline. But, <laughs> um, but the fact that these quite fundamental issues still exist is um, from a from a user point of view is incredibly frustrating. I'll, um, oh, yeah, I can see your point, to be fair. I think I was in one of your streams when I saw it, Kurt. I can see, uh, I can see what that would annoy you. For me, one of the biggest things that really frustrates me is the graphical representation of penalties nowadays. So I, I understand in-game, in the match engine, it's probably a penalty. But I want to see in the, in, the free, in the 3D match engine... I want to see a penalty. I don't want to see my defender do a last-ditch tackle, get the ball, the ball goes in the complete opposite direction, and then they give a penalty. It's just hugely frustrating. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one of my big gripes this, this year, to be honest. 
Yeah, there's somewhere I sort of agree with that. There's somewhere there are tackles that look like like definite fouls. I think the referee gives it and then it goes to VAR and it says no penalty or some that I had one earlier on where it looked like a fantastic tackle. The referee gives it and it is a penalty. Um, so I don't know if they could do like an action replay. You know, you, they show some of the, you score a goal, they show some of the close offsides how many times, you know, if they could show a different angle maybe of the tackle and a reason why it was given. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that one is a little bit fr- frustrating with the, I, I like the VAR stuff. Obviously, it's still a fairly new feature, feature, but I think there's still loads they they can do with that. Really, I'm gonna stick with VAR as well. And Dupe, I know you hate the animation of the ref <laughs> running over, so skip button, please. <laughs> that's 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 granted. Um, look, everyone hates VAR, even in real life. But the the only thing about VAR that's probably the more entertaining aspect is 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 the kind of willy wonty aspect, you know, particularly for offsides. I've played nine seasons at Angers and I've never seen a goal where, where it was like, oh, is it offside? Go to VAR. And it was, and it was given. And I, and I, I, I heard one. I heard of one, didn't I? I think in this group, I've yeah. never once seen it. And that, it just removes, it's so predictable now. So it's like, oh, VAR, is he offside? Oh, shit, goal gone. There's no way it's going to be given, right? But then Dupe, you had the fortune, I believe. Yeah, sorry, Kurt, I know you, 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 you want to add to that. But yeah, we had it last week uh, in stream where, oh, it's offside, he's raised his flag, he's gone to VAR. What? He's given it? Amazing. Yeah, it was it a good feeling, Matt. It was a good I feeling. I did it in a cup game, I think I did, um, on the wall save. That was a while back as well. Even only once is ridiculous. If yeah, you combine all of our seasons together, we've had it twice in <laughs> a ridiculous amount. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be good if we could. If the when the ref sees a, a different, you know, goes over to check VAR, uh, it would be good to see another angle, maybe to see what the ref's looking at. But I will, I am going to defend the game here a little bit with the penalties aspect because penalties IRL are controversial, right? And they provide a huge sort of discussion point. So the fact that you know, you you might think someone's made a really good tackle, and you know, the, it, it looks like the players taken the ball. Um, it, it, that just means it's a controversial penalty, right? Nah, I disagree. It's, not not with the stuff you see on the on this match engine. I, I'm and, sorry, and I, I understand where you're coming from. I get your point, hundred percent. But I just cannot, I cannot subscribe to that because there's so many where it's just not. I mean, even the commentator, like the commentary, says, "Oh, it looks like he's taking a dive there." You know, and and you can see the ball's gone in the opposite direction. And it's just, ah, it's so frustrating. I I see your point. I see your point. There is a margin of error for referee decisions, isn't there? I think there is a margin of error. Yeah, there probably would be. But I'm sure that must have changed since VAR. But in which case, well, exactly, in which case, if if, especially if you're in the the top division, that that decision should be going to VAR, shouldn't it? It should. But then, obviously, VAR has, you know, unless it's clear and obvious, the ref's going to stick with his on-field decision. And and the if problem the is going in the opposite direction to yeah, the collision. Yeah, but the, then. The, but the problem the problem <laughs> is we're not we obviously it's not advanced enough maybe for us to be able to see what that referee is then going to check if you see what I mean. So we can't see. Although we've seen the the kind of the the original three D animation, we could go back and kind of check it. Like it's it's not graphically good enough to show like maybe maybe the player was clipped before the defender took the ball if you see what i mean like there's there's kind of 
you're you're taking a snapshot, but there's there's context missing, if you like. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll de- I'll defend it there. I I completely understand where you're coming from because you know there's still issues with things like goalkeepers and stuff like that, and 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 you know whether it is a, a lack of animations, um, or whether it is just I don't know. Maybe it's just like a a coding issue. I, I'm not sure. I you know I'm not technical enough to to know, but um. I just feel like the match engine, the kind of mechanics of the match engine is miles ahead of what we're seeing in that graphical representation. Like the way I look at this though, mate, is like obviously the game has decided that in this passage of play that that is going to be a penalty uh, or there's going to be a shout for a penalty. Then make it so bloody obvious it looks like a penalty because all you're doing is frustrating. You you, you think you're, your players, the people that are playing the game. Because if, if it goes and he crops him, yeah, fine, I'm not going to argue. Yes, yeah, annoying that we keep conceding penalties, but it's my tactics, mate. But when you kind of, you see that perfectly timed tackle, you know, and like um, we had it, I, I've had it in, in some draft games, is that we, we, had, we did a perfectly good tackle on screen and he gets to send an offer. And I mean, I think Clates tweeted one the other day, but it looks like a perfectly good <laughs> tackle. And and the guy's got the guy's I, walking for it. I saw one where a player took out his teammate and got sent off. And for got it. sent off for it. <laughs> completely missed, in, completely missed like the this. other player. Took out I his think, teammate and got sent off. I like that. I think that was in a Zealand video with Mark Duffy. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Timing. It's in, you talk about. I think it's like what's going to happen in the match engine is going to happen, and then the animations are kind of trying to match it. I think throw-ins are another good example. You see a lot of people really complaining about the throw-in animation because it literally looks like I'm throwing the ball and Dave's on the other team in front of me and I'm just, here you go, Dave. And I yeah. think statistic, you know, I think when they look at it statistically, and I don't know what the stats might be, but like I know from playing football, a lot of throw-ins are given away um, and it's, you know, because it's, it's like a 50-50 and one guy wins a header. I just think they're, that they haven't really matched the animation to the frequency of that giving the ball away happening. And, yeah. and basically it just looks like he's throwing it really soft and, uh, Definitely room for improvement there because it pisses a lot of people off, for sure, um, with those short throw-ins. So, with the particularly with the stats-related issues, is the main problem that 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 they exist, or is it the fact that it removes you from the immersive nature, immersive nature of a save? So because I think that's what frustrates me and would annoy me when I particularly when before the patch came out which uh, corrected the the key tackles issue that you highlighted Curti sort of around January time that thing really bugged me because it means that I can't then I I like to look back at past performances and see how I can improve things and so when I can't see whether my defenders are actually making tackles or not or who is more successful at making tackles so I can make uh squad-based decisions come sort of the end of the season because I don't know who has been better and who has been worse. It it that ruins it for me. Is it the same for you or is it a bit of both? Yeah, I mean that was hugely frustrating. I know obviously you're you're an incredibly sort of analytical manager. Um and this was also around the time, if you remember, where fullbacks just for whatever reason, no matter how well they played, were you we, couldn't get more than like a six point two um average rating it was crazy and i don't know if that was linked to um stats not registering properly or or not being counted properly 
I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it was ever kind of publicly made known. Um, but yeah, it was that was horrendous. Like I'm someone that will you know will quite often play through a season and then like maybe at sort of three month intervals, just check to see player stats to see if there's any kind of outliers in the team, if anyone's underperforming for whatever reason. Um, and the fact that you know key tackles was obviously a huge one, but there were other ones that were kind of that you'd go into the post-match data and it would say one number and then you'd go onto the 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 player screen where you've maybe set up some sort of view to show you player stats um, and that was showing a different number so i'm the same as you matt from my point of view that was hugely hugely frustrating and you just didn't know you know you got to sort of trust your own eye by watching the match engine but at the same time you know your fullback might have had a perfectly good game but got a 6.4 rating for no reason whatsoever so yeah it was um that was that was almost game breaking for me that one well it, it can be save busting right so there was time there was times this season that or at the start of the save that or the start of the year so that i was looking at trying to redo the money ball you couldn't do that if these stats aren't coming for it. it it you know that you could go for a whole season and then you try and do that and you got no chance and it could proper kill any buzz for that save at all? Yeah, it was, I'd assume there's a lot of people that do that type of save, maybe not even specifically Moneyball, but a save where you rely on stats or, like you say, people like a few of us that like like that side of the game. So, you know, um, one of the other things that I know, um, you know, Matt's put on the notes here is, is draft mode and possibly not even draft mode in particular, but the online modes in general. The fact that we're now sort of in 2021, and we can't get a an online mode that's reliable is astounding, really. Like obviously, Kurt, you'll know, and a few of you watching, um, we we started a like a, a little tournament yesterday, the FM Super League, and it took forty five minutes for us to set up a game where eight people were able to join. Which once again, in in twenty twenty one, with the technology and servers as advanced as they can be or are, the fact that we can't get eight people into a game. Is is shocking, really. I know people that have struggled to do network saves with two or three people as well, um, and I don't know what the deal is at the moment with servers. I know they were using Steam ones before. I don't know if it's gone over to Epic now. Now they've got this partnership with Epic as well, but um, that is something. I know probably ninety percent of people maybe that play Football Manager don't really play the online side of the game, but this is probably one of the reasons why because there's just no reliability to it whatsoever. I said I said that, and and I think Miles has said this on Twitter and stuff as well. Like, you know, it's such a small percent of their player base that play online that the the kind of the investment isn't worth it from their side. Commercially, it's not worth it. But it is a massive chicken and egg problem here. Um, you know, they're not willing to invest because there's no player base, but there's no player base because the experience is so terrible. And you know, we've got tournaments. You know, the showdown obviously is. Um, shone a massive light on the online side of the game and we're seeing tournaments pop up left right and center off the back of it um and i just think it's got to the point now where it's got it's got silly and the, the problem needs to be addressed it's the same argument that was made with training it'll never be done because nobody uses it but and then got done because people wanted to use it and there was a good way of doing it so hopefully online will have the same lick of paint um uh, and I guess on sort of the draft mode issues that you ha you have are not the same as we have with the the network saves necessarily. Although there are 
there are quite a few that persist. I think divergence is the big one. Um, we've had it a couple of, I mean, for the first, this is a thing that, that baffles me a little bit, uh, particularly with some of the, like with the stat reporting things. I know other, uh, some people may have seen them frequently or at least would uh, profess that they have been issues for, or there have been issues with stat reporting or stats not reporting correctly for years, not just this year, but I've seen it so prevalent for so many more people. Um, but divergence in particular has been so much more prevalent. We ran eight seasons of showdowns with FM20, didn't have a single issue with divergence. And then we've had four seasons and had two which have been completely tarnished by it, um, which is not good for us. It's not good for the viewers. Um, and it's it doesn't look very good for SI when you've got a collective 300,000 people watching over 10 streams and it's highlighting this big, big issue. Um, that you should definitely be take, pay, like paying more attention to. And hopefully they are, and hopefully they are going to take that sort of problem on board a bit more seriously uh, because you can't just keep on pointing people to forums and expecting them to raise these issues when you don't answer the, the posts that they're putting in. It scares the life out of me, mate. Like I, I, the save I'm doing, I'm doing the, uh, the, the Achievement Hunter kind of overall and I've got to, I've got to play like two hundred drafts, and like a lot of people have said to me, you should probably get started. But like I've just got no, got no enthusiasm because every time I see one or do one, it, it's, it's it never goes smooth, and it's just like, do I really want that hassle for two hundred odd times? It's it's uh, it is a pain because I think we you find, we we live in a world nowadays where everything's online, everything's multiplayer. And um, myself and Dave, with Joe, we've done a network save, and I think it's the best way to play the game. But with the crap that we were having, I, I, I don't see why you would want to play it that way. Oh, the, the, yeah, well, I, I was witness to quite a few of the like completely random and bizarre issues that you were having, and uh, as soon as it happened, it was like, oh, I don't want to play it anymore. Like, yeah, the, I had no the money. motivation to carry on. It turns out actual issues in that save. We had very little major ones, didn't we? In that, well, in the well no, but one. it was the, it was the timing of them. Like Joe had the th the random thing with the May, yeah. the May issue with the yeah, fixtures, where all of a sudden a giant on random stuff in the match engine as well. When it was player versus player, like mad stuff happened. To be fair, I've not seen yeah, me and Dave took points off him. That yeah, that was yeah. the mad bit. <laughs> that's a shame. But that, yeah. but that's but things like that shouldn't exist. It, it shouldn't really matter. Like the match engine should be robust enough to be able to. If you're if you're offering multiplayer as an option, it should be robust enough to actually be played as if you are player to player. Um, but there you go. My my other little niggly quality of life bug uh, that I wanted to highlight is uh, it's really ridiculous. But there are some of the like the I think it's when you set up a game, uh, whether it be online or elsewhere like it's just a single player game or an online game if you want to you can you can load up like a, a game setup but you click on load uh, or quick quick load whatever from the from a drop down of options that you've loaded before and it doesn't work it says it can't find it so but then you go and go and use do it manually go go and load through the load option and select it loads fine but it's like an extra 3 clicks but for for whatever reason this quick quick select option doesn't work and it really really bugs the absolute shit out of me um but something that worked last year now doesn't work for some reason 
and it's something that we can't fix. But anyway, on to more positive things, everybody. Ghost girls. I love ghost girls. Curti, you wanted to, to uh, wax lyrical about your positives about the match engine, so I'll let you start. I guess. Well, I mean, I, I just the, the the attacking play and the patterns of play and passing moves that you can create. I mean, I, I was I was uh, playing a little bit earlier today, um, my Arsenal save, and we scored the most unbelievable goal. Just do you remember um, Cambiasso's goal for oh. Argentina in the World Cup against Serbia? I think it was two thousand and six, where it was like a forty something passing move, and it was just absolutely incredible. Well, we had something similar to that earlier, and it ended with a ball being played into uh, Enketia, who first time backheeled it to take the goalkeeper out of play for Aubameyang just to tap it into an open goal. It was honestly, I had to go and take a cold shower after it. It was incredible. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've we've had a match engine for the last couple of years, before, well, prior to this year's game, where it was all about far post crosses or it was all about long shots from 30 yards, you know, or, you know, you'd, you'd have a player who'd score three or four free kicks in a game. and But this year's match engine, the, it's just so slick. It's You can create some beautiful, beautiful football. And, um, I you know, I, I can't remember. I, you know, obviously I've had saves that I remember well and I've loved, but in terms of, like, the patterns of play that you can create on this match engine, I can't remember a game like it. It's tremendous. Second time for me, Matt. I can only but echo that, Curtie. Um, I play a system uh, in, in the MLS, which is just overloads, kind of just outside the box. And the amount of times that you see, I referenced it when I thought that was a goal you were talking about, the, the Arsenal versus Norwich, about six or seven passes that was just so delicate, so cute, so, you know, such quality. We are, we're, we're seeing goals like that on the game, like on, on the on the weekly, on every game that we play, we're seeing a beautiful goal. Um, it makes it very rewarding, right? And especially when you do make little tweaks and you play the, you know, you, I aim for the creative players and you see the creative players and you see just how how creative they actually are allowed to be in this match engine. It, it is truly wonderful. I agree. I know we've spent sort of 10, 15 minutes talking about areas that we think need improving, but... Sometimes some of the passages of play on the match engine, like you two have just said, literally make the game worth playing on their own. Um, there, it, it's phenomenal compared to, like Curtie said, the last couple of years where, like last year, remember one v ones, they were making the game unbearable. Now it's not just strikers going through on goal and tucking the chances away. It's strikers going through on goal and scooping it over the goalkeeper. It's wingers going through on goal and playing it across goal to your striker, which I've never seen ever on Football Manager. You might see it once a year, but the fact now it's happening so much and we're actually having good quality of football. Like Kate, like like you boys were saying, like in terms of attacking football, it's worth playing the game now. Um, and I think in terms of actual, um, I know we've brought up VAR and ghost goals and just certain elements of the game where maybe the match engine's not reading it correctly. But in terms of actually what you're seeing and the quality of football that you're able to produce, even when I was managing at non-league level, the fact, you know, the possibly not quality of football, but the quality of the match engine and the way it looked and the way it played out was was phenomenal. And it didn't, it's, it's, 
you know, no other version of the match engine, in my opinion, can touch can touch this game. Sorry, Matt. Do you mind if I just? I was just going to say, basically, if 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 I'd had the same <clears throat> issues with ghost goals and you know stats not being recorded on any other version in the past five years, I would have put it down months ago. I wouldn't be playing the game currently, and it just goes to show that you know the the features outside of the match engine you know you, you can obviously they've been improved massively over the years um i really like the training module um how it's how it's um you know i i, I just think it's fantastic i use it a lot i i create my own schedules you know i'm properly into that stuff um but the you know the match engine really is everything in this game um and yeah, the fact that they've that they've made it so so playable and so much fun this year uh, just means that I'm still playing the game. Totally, that's all they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I totally agree. I think no, no, like, I, I, in general, that's all they want. Yeah, I think it's brought like a lot of credibility has come back. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound a bit silly. I see things happen on the pitch that I want to happen because I've done things to make them happen. I can't say that for all, an awful lot of versions of FM, right? Where like, you know, you're directing them to do overlaps on the left or do short passing or whatever. And, and you see them actually replicating it. It sounds silly, but like it, it, it's earned that credibility. And the other thing for me is usually, and Dave, you mentioned one, one-on-ones there. Every FM, there's usually been something that's kind of overpowered or really causing havoc, you know, three strike or formations. I don't know. Crosses just bouncing off every random player. I feel like this time around, there's there isn't really anything, particularly from an overpowered perspective, apart from when Dave did Adam, Adam Traore's attributes, um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and for some reason, whoever did Callum Wilson because <laughs> he's ridiculous. But I don't see anything too overpowered, which makes you know makes me feel like I'm earning it if I'm doing well because I don't think I'm doing anything that's breaking the match engine or overpowering it, and and that for me, the realism and that credibility is it's rewarding. I think for us as, you know, I would say we're all fairly seasoned football manager players. Obviously, you boys a lot more than me. But, um, you know, I think we appreciate how far this match engine has come. I think, you know, people that are picking up the game from new and anyone that's listening to this that's a fairly new player will still think it's quite an average match engine only because, you know, it, it gets so many comparisons to the likes of, you know, FIFA or Pro Evo or whatever, but we know as football manager fans how far this match engine has come. And for a simulation game, uh, and in terms of improvement that we've seen over the last two or three years, you know, you could argue, you know, you always look back to your favourite football managers. I still see people say, oh, FM12 was such a stable match engine, but compare that to what you've got now, nine years later, and it's, you know, there's no comparison. And compare this to last year's as well, the improvement of movements, the finishing is, the and like you say, the attacking play is just unbelievable compared to last year's version. I'll tell you one thing, uh, and I'll see, what you, I'll see if you agree with me, the, the quality of the match engine and the quality of what we see makes it easy to make content on. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's easy, for, it must be easier for people to watch when they're seeing this, you know, not the same goal every time. So some of this attacking play is is so uh, spontaneous and so different to what we're used to seeing. It's, we're, I'm seeing goals that 
I can't call. You know, we're, you know. We're previously, more clips online as well, though. You, yeah. I don't think you see like every other day or every day. I'll go on Twitter and see another clip of a goal or something that's happened. You know, I think that's what people are appreciating them and enjoying the match engine more just overall. I think you know people people aren't scared to post it out and and stuff like that and make more and more content on it. So you know we've not even touched on any other aspect of the game, which like Curtie said, every aspect of the game, it, the game becomes more complete every year. And the fact that we just touched on the match engine for the last ten minutes shows how much I think that's improved. Well, I'm going to move it away from the match engine now and kind of cover over the the general like quality of life improvements. And I think we all agreed when the game first came out, though there wasn't like many like major new features, or that at least the main features seemed quite underwhelming to what we'd become accustomed to. But the quality of life, like the the collective quality of life changes, have improved the game to the point where I feel like. As a as a whole, that has led to improved immersion for me personally. Like if it wasn't for the showdown, sort of kind of getting in the way uh, for like needing to prep that, um, I would probably be much further ahead in my Bournemouth save because when I when I'm playing it, I don't want to stop playing it, and it's so it's just a case of I I just don't have the time to. Or in theory, if I do pick it up, everything else will then slip because that's all I want to do. Uh, and I was I was smashing through a season a week at one point, which is is rare for me on FM, especially with generally how I tend to to play. So I think all of those little things, I say, aside from the the things that we've already mentioned in the negatives section, uh, I I found found that it has helped my my retain my attention, which as as Duke was saying, that is ultimately what sports interactive want for their game and i don't really want to highlight any one particular thing it, it's just it's more that i'm able to suspend my my belief that this isn't real life football for a bit longer <laughs> which which is nice as i mean if i if i was in this mode now when we we're in when we were sort of at the start of the pandemic it would be dream world because we didn't have any real football it, i can have my own little virtual reality that I can treat as truth. And I remember like years ago when I had very little responsibility and not really an ad a proper adult yet. And I could I could pretty much I can remember getting confused quite frequently with which transfers were real and which ones were in my FM saves. And I think, oh he's just signed for it. No, he really hasn't. That's just all <laughs> all in my little virtual world. And it's been quite rare more recently where I've actually had that sort of mixture of realities and I've had to double check to make sure I haven't got something wrong um, but I've had that this year which is always a positive from my perspective You mentioned quality of life as well and I, I think I said this on a previous pod at, at the early days or it could have been on one of the daily pods that you guys were doing in November which was which was brilliant the speed of how quickly the game saves I, I uh-huh. still I, I still haven't gotten over it I think every time <laughs> I'm like it's just so because I Often I used to save and then I might look at my other screen or get distracted but I'd do something else while it was saving and then and that I might lose five minutes just getting distracted and then you're slowing down how quickly you play the game. I don't do that anymore. I hit save, it's five seconds, done. Um, small thing, but again, pat on the back for whoever did the necessary to make that happen because that was huge um, for sure. I agree with that. The amount of times that I do a second save because... I'm not sure that the first one actually happened because it happened so quick <laughs> is uh, is pretty cool. Um, yeah, again, I, I just want to say that the... Oh, Matt, you've, you've made me lose my turn of thought there. Um, Sorry, mate. 
No, no, that was it. So, yes, uh, a lot of people, obviously, I've jumped into the MLS um, and take my hat off to anyone that's, that's, that's done the MLS and whoever had to code at that MLS because it's brutal. But the amount of times that I've had guys in that are, are American, do watch MLS a lot, have told me how, like, how it is very, very, if not nearly perfect to the game, uh, from the game to real life. Um, stuff like that it makes it, it you know there's just no massive flaws in it and there's so many moving parts in that MLS that I've never really appreciated until now so yeah that would be a, I know I'm again it might have been fine last last year but for me fair play that's uh, it's very good Marvellous well I had written down in the <laughs> in the outline about getting a, a new or improved feature for, that we'd like to see for FM22 but I think we will save that for its own separate pod seeing how much we've chatted about this. Right, well, that brings episode 195 to a close. You can find the links for each of us in the podcast description or by visiting wiestromfm.com. Next week, we'll be having, we will be having another listener Q&A, so please do tweet us with your questions or email us info at wiestromfm.com you may well get featured in pod 196 five star potential is available on itunes spotify and most other popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week thank you all for listening there will be more from us next week say goodbye folks goodbye bye, bye, folks. bye everyone